Hello there, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of On Air with Air On. There was no episode last week, so don't worry if you forgot to check and then you said, oh my gosh, where was last week's episode? But here I am. I took the week off last week, not for really any particular reason. I was just catching up on streaming and doing stuff because I hit affiliate on Twitch. I know some people would go around and say, oh, that's not really a compliment. You can get affiliate on Twitch by just streaming to a black screen for eight hours. And well, that is true. I do agree with that. Some people can. I, uh, I didn't really know all about affiliate when I started streaming. So I would be streaming for like a month without even knowing all the proper viewer stuff. So I was, I managed to sort of build myself up a tad bit through Twitch and I finally hit affiliate, which is, which is awesome. So I'm not, I'm now able to run ads on my stream. I'm able to have subs, which I already had three of my friends come and sub to me. So if you want to join in on the fun, I'll be adding in some sub emotes and some channel point things within the next couple weeks or so. And it'll definitely be a lot of fun. I got a lot of stuff that I'm planning on doing for my Twitch just to sort of help it grow and help it take off and build a better community because I really want to have the best for all the people who come by and say hi during my streams and even off my streams, whether it be social media or anything. But uh, yeah, I also posted a new YouTube video. It's talking about the whole hashtag free melee topic that was trending on Twitter a little bit ago. If you're unaware of what that is, don't worry. I'm going to talk about it a bit in the news for this week, but uh, that had quite a lot to it. And I think that this episode is going to be talking about a lot of fairly controversial stuff and uh, some pretty big things. So without further ado, let's, let's dive right in. So the first thing we're going to be talking about is the PS5 and the Xbox Series X are finally out. When I did my last episode two weeks ago, I think that was, let's see, so that was November 9th? Yeah, so that was November 9th. So the Series X nor the PS5 had launched yet. Neither had uh, Black Ops Cold War. So, got a lot of those things to be talking about. So, the PS5 has just been the worst to try and buy right now. I would know from first-hand experience. I have been trying to purchase a PS5 for... Well, two weeks now, and I have had zero luck whatsoever. I tried going in on launch day, which I believe was November 12th, was the official launch day for it, and I tried buying it through Walmart, tried looking at Best Buy, Amazon, Target, GameStop, practically everywhere that I could find, and to no avail. I never got far on the first couple times. The closest that I ever got was actually a couple days ago, I believe it was on Thursday, um, so that was what, four or five days ago or so. And I got all the way to the place order thing where the tax was there. My address was set. My card was set. Everything was ready to go. But unfortunately I was unable to purchase the PS5 because the site crashed and they said they were sold out and it was, it was just bad. It was a pain, but, uh, nonetheless, the PS5 itself has been very well received by the public's. The controllers were a huge thing that I saw people ranting and raving about. And from the looks of it, they look that, sorry, they look like they're really going to make the play experience a whole lot better, which is great, which is amazing. I'm really, really looking forward to 
testing it out for myself because I was seeing this video circling around on Twitter where it was this guy using the PS5 sort of dynamic response, I think that's what it's called, on one of the trigger buttons, and it was almost like the controller was pushing back at you, which I thought was really an interesting feature, and I haven't obviously seen that yet in modern controllers that we have now. So the PS5 controller looks like it's going to be a very, very big plus, and with everything that's included with it, it makes sense at the price point of $70. But the console itself has been selling really well so far. So Gematsu writes that on Famitsu, a lot of news was written about the releases for the first week. The PlayStation 5 sold over 118,000 total copies in Japan, while the Xbox Series X sold only over 20,000 in Japan. This isn't really surprising at all, considering that the Series X is a Western company, and the PS5 is an Asian company. So it makes sense that the the disparity is going to be a lot more. But if that's not even the case and that happens in the West, then that also will probably not surprise me, considering that Xbox hasn't really been focusing on getting specifically an Xbox. It's getting the plan, if you will, their subscription service. They've really been pushing for this whole game pass game pass ultimate sort of thing more than they've been pushing getting specifically the xbox series x of course they haven't been lacking in anything they've just been putting a bit more emphasis on the whole game pass ultimate and the things they're going to be adding into that because you can play it on pc as well which is a very very big plus so it's exciting to see how well the PS5 is performing right now, considering that right now it's at 118,000 total copies, which is just over a third of all the sales of the Wii U. So <laughs> it just shows how exciting and how excited people are for this console release. So there's a couple more things that were written on that site, not just specifically for the PS5, but for some games that were included. So, so far in that week, November 9th to November 15th, the number one selling game for PS4 was, to no surprise, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. It released launching at 84,475 retail sales, which of course is a huge number. And then second place in that was uh, 45,000 and 55 sales for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So as you can see, those two games alone sold over 120,000 copies, which is huge. It's it's definitely a, a telling sign of how excited people were for Cold War and these other continuing franchise games. So if we look at a couple of the other ones, you have uh, certain games like Sakuna of Rice and Ruin, which had 32,906 sales. Animal Crossing New Horizons. Now, that one, it says it came out, obviously, on March 20th, and I believe that's for this same week. Is it Because it says followed by lifetime sales, so I'm not entirely sure, but it said 32,000 um, sales in that week. I'm assuming it's specifically that week because it has a parentheses number next to it that says 5,974,000. So I'm just going to I'm going to wager that the 5 million is the sales since launch. And um 
the 32,000 was just in that week. Still a very big number for a game that got released. How many months ago is that? Eight, almost eight months ago exactly. Still pretty big numbers. Nintendo Switch's Ring Fit Adventure clocked in at 24,115 sales. For the PS5, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales Ultimate Edition, another very, very big game, had 18,640 copies, while the PS4 version of Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, just the basic version, had 22,882 sales. Now, this number isn't exactly telling of how it's been received by fans, because I know that, myself included, there are a lot of people that aren't getting these newer games that are available on last gen because they're just waiting until they can get a PS5 or next gen console for when they can actually understand that their money is going towards a, uh, a better experience overall, if that makes sense. Because personally, I would love to be playing Black Ops Cold War consistently on my own file, but I don't feel comfortable and reasonable and I couldn't talk myself into it to spend $60 on this game and then transfer over to the PS5 not be able to transfer any of my game data and then have to buy the new game completely I'm pretty sure I could transfer over my account but I would still have to buy a completely new game so I'm not about to go spend $130 60 of that being wasted on a game that I'll be able to just get on my next $500 console. So I'm trying to save as much money as I can right here. And I know that a lot of other people are doing that as well. So the Miles Morales numbers, I'm not looking at as 100% factual to game reception. I'm going to wait until that one comes out. Same with Demon's Souls on PS5. That one sold 18,607 copies, which is still a really big, good number, but I'm still waiting to see how, uh, how more of these games are going to be performing. Then on the lower end of the spectrum, we have Mario Kart Live Home Circuit Mario set with a Luigi set as well. And that had 2,905 sales for the week. And then New Super Mario's Bro- Mario Bros. U Deluxe, which sold 3,200 copies, which is pretty good considering that it came out about 10 months ago. It came out... Oh, wait, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I I read the date wrong. It came out a year and 10 months ago. So almost two full years ago, that game came out and it still sold 3,200 copies, which is not bad. Breath of the Wild sold 3,800 and that game came out three and a half years ago. I was going to say four years, but it came out in March of 2017. So it's not quite four years, but about three and a half years ago which is still incredible that it sold 3,800 copies in in a week. But I think there's also a a lot of hype around um, the Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. So a lot of people wanted to get Breath of the Wild if they haven't played that either before or after they played uh, Age of Calamity. I know I've been playing Age of Calamity, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's my second Warriors game, so I had to get used to it. My first stream of it was okay. But my second stream of it, I was really starting to understand the combat and really liking how the combos and stuff worked. So I was a really big fan of it, but you can tell that a lot of people really liked it as well. But uh, that pretty much does it for the game sells and how that this week did in terms of hardware and actual games. So a pretty, pretty good week. But uh, unfortunately, 
We talked about the good things about the PS5's launch in that week. Now let's talk about the really bad. The scalper problem. If you were trying to purchase a PS5, I'm not sure how rampant it was with the Xbox Series X because I wasn't trying to get one and I didn't really know anyone who was trying to get it at launch. But with the PS5, there were definitely an exuberant amount of people that were setting up bot accounts and scalping PS5s, selling it for around $1,200 to $2,000 for a PS5 console because there was no other way to get a PS5. Now, of course, this isn't a PS5 unique situation. In a way, this was what happened with the Nintendo Switch at sort of the beginning of the quarantine this year, where Nintendo Switches were not being produced. They weren't being manufactured because the companies in Japan that were producing them shut down temporarily in order to try to alleviate the stuff that was going on with COVID-19. So no more Switches were being put out and created for consumer consumption. So scalpers decided to go out and buy a bunch of them. And then when there were zero switches available and animal crossing was at its peak, they would say, Hey, you want a Nintendo switch? All right, well, $900. How about that? And the console's worth only $300. So people would really, really be falling into a trap getting these, but there wasn't any other option. And I know my brother and my neighbor were trying to look for a switch around the same time and my neighbor ended up finding a fairly good deal where it came with uh, Mario Kart and the Nintendo Switch, and it was $500. And I know that you put that together, and that's really only $360, but given the time that it was, he really wanted to get the Switch, so he got it for that. And then my brother ended up waiting a bit more than my neighbor, but he ended up getting one for, I think it was $300 or it was $400 or something like that. Um, but... The scalping issue isn't a new and unique thing to PlayStation. It's been going on for a very long time, and especially a lot with video games, but it's definitely worse now because you can't go in and try to buy a physical copy in the store. You are relying on online where there's less security that can be taken place, and certainly Walmart didn't take the proper precautions during the first few releases. So as it turns out, there were a lot of people who were pretty much locked out of buying a PS5 because all the bot accounts just went straight in and purchased as many PS5s as possible, and very few actual people were able to go in and purchase one. So this has been a real big issue, and it's really been irritating because now these PS5s, they're still going to exist. Uh, because they're either going to not sell and then they'll sell them later on down the road when the competition is a little less competitive, if you will, and everyone can just go out and buy a PS5 for $500 and maybe they'll just lower them and sell all four of them they have or whatever. Um, or even if they just have one of them, they'll keep it for themselves. I know, foreign concept, buying something for yourself. But it's just, it's 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 unfortunate. And it's really bad that that was happening and that, there wasn't really anything done. You know, there was, there was really no, there was no penalty for anything like that. And the stores and the retailers didn't really have any options for when this was happening. So fortunately it seems that Walmart and the other companies are taking better precautions now, implementing a recapture system and having a better sort of uh, authenticity program. I can't speak to that in depth, but from what I've heard, it's getting a bit better. 
but I'll have to wait and see because there's going to be some more PS5s releasing in two days at the time of this recording. I think it's around somewhere at the 25th, sometime later in the night, I think. Um, but anyway, I'll be keeping my eyes peeled for that. The Series X launched fairly well, and it was uh, the best Xbox launch ever, according to uh, Eurogamer. A lot of success revolves around the PC marketplace as well for the Xbox and for Microsoft specifically. Um, but the Xbox Series X was available in 37 markets, which is almost three times the amount that the Xbox One had, which had 13 markets. So you can see that the Xbox Series X is definitely having a very good launch as well. So that's good for them. And I'm hoping that they're not going to be running into the same issues that PS5 is having right now because uh, that would just be bad if both sides were really going through really, really tough scalper issues. Because I've seen some people just say, screw the PS5, I'm going to get an Xbox One because they weren't having this issue. But uh, fingers crossed that it'll get better. Next thing I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to talk about it briefly just because I posted a video on YouTube about it um, at Argon Games. I recommend going and checking that out because it's a bit better production quality um, and uh, it kind of shows pictures and explains a bit better than I can do right now. But I will be talking about the hashtag free melee. So in case you didn't know, Nintendo canceled an online tournament and not just any online Smash tournament. But the Big House, which is, as the name would suggest, one of the biggest Smash tournaments of the entire year. It hosts both Melee and the current Smash game. And I say the current Smash game because it's it's not just Melee and Ultimate. It would be whichever was the current Smash game. But for right now, that's Ultimate. So it was going to be running both of those events. But since we are quarantined and Melee is... A 20-year-old game that has no online capabilities, Project Slippy was created to offer a very smooth and simple-to-play um, interface for Melee players to take online. Now, this mod has been out for quite a while now. It's been out for a couple months, and it hasn't really faced any issues. But now that it's being presented as the uh, basically the tournament setups. Nintendo decided to step in and they apparently asked the big house before to say, hey, we don't want you streaming this game. We don't want you profiting off of this because blah, blah, blah. Apparently the big house refused and then Nintendo decided to cancel the event within their rights to say, hey, we asked, we don't want this streamed because it requires illegal copies of Melee, which one isn't technically true because there's no way that nintendo can prove that outright because i'm not going to deny it, there probably are some people that illegally own melee that are that would be playing this game but at the same time it's like you know you can't confirm whether or not someone was doing something illegally you can't because then you'd have to be suing thousands upon thousands hundreds of thousands of people and you know Nintendo might make stupid decisions, but they're not that stupid. They realize that there's not enough time in the world in order to sue every single player. And if they try to do that, then they will actually go bankrupt as a company because nobody will buy their products, if that's the case. Um, but anyway, th this is a really big issue because in the past, Nintendo has definitely treated Melee as the rejected child of the Smash scene. And most of it has to do with the fact that 
it was created smash bros that is smash bros was created as this series that was just supposed to be a fun party game but some people found out that melee could be played competitively and has some incredible tech that even modern fighting games borrow from and it's a really cool thing but unfortunately nintendo's so set in their ways that they don't think that innovation is a good thing they want people to play their games a very specific way and if you don't comply then they're gonna shut you down which is absolutely nuts i mean we always like to dog on companies like ea and uh and what other companies bethesda if you will you know people like to dog on these companies but i mean i feel like nintendo doesn't get enough hate for the stuff that they do i'm not saying that everyone needs to go out and hate nintendo but my gosh like, they release some absolutely phenomenal games, but they do some of the dumbest and slimiest stuff as a company. I mean, I I can't think of a single game company, and again, I could probably be wrong about this, uh, so please inform me if you know of others, but I can't think of a single other game company that actively hates an older title that they put forward to the point will they where they will try to get their players, their current players, to stop playing that game by almost any means possible. I seriously cannot think of any other company that does that. I mean, Christ's sakes, look at look at Pokemon, for example. Pokemon relies on their older games to bring people into their newer games. I mean, my gosh, look, look at Leon in Pokemon Sword and Shield. Who's his main big Pokemon? It's Charizard, the Gen 1 Fire-type, fully evolved form Pokemon starter. And it's like, in a way, I wish Nintendo... Sorry, I was not Nintendo. I wish they would do the same with Smash. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me, because Melee, even though I would argue Melee is not as popular as Ultimate is, in, in just an overall sense. Competitive sense, that's a completely different topic, but... In an overall sense, yes, Ultimate is the best and most popular Smash game as an overall thing. For casual, it is it is the best. There's really no arguing that. But in terms of the competitive scene, I mean, competitive scene, some people have been going out and saying, and I agree, competitive really, in a way, is what brings people in that are casual, but also just kind of like interested in the game, to go out and buy a copy of the game. I mean, think about it. How many people were inspired to play competitive Smash Bros or to do these things because they watched the Smash Brothers documentary or because they watched an incredibly clutch set like Hungrybox versus Armada. Like, how many people do you think did that? I would wager a whole lot. And Nintendo and Smash are aware of this because they released for Ultimate, they released a GameCube controller adapter with a new GameCube when they know that the GameCube controller is the superior controller in all of Nintendo. And it just blows my mind that it's like they pick and choose what it is that they want to care about from the Melee community. And it's just it's just sad. It really is. Because I don't play Melee competitively. I played it like a filthy casual when the game was out. And I, I've, since, I've since gone back to it. And I've played a little bit of it. Um, and it is, it is fun to play it in the sake of... I know I'm never going to get competitive with this game, but it's kind of cool to do some of the competitive things. Like I remember the first time I did like a, the first time I did a, um, was it a wave shine? The first time I did that, I was like, whoa, that's so weird. It's kind of like in a very weird analogy. It's like seeing 
your favorite celebrity for the first time in person. It's like you've seen it so many times, but then once you finally experience it with your own eyes, you go, whoa, that's so weird. That's so different. In a way, that, that, that that's kind of what the feeling is. So it, it's a great thing. But for some reason, Nintendo just hates the fact that their players love Melee. And I don't know how much further it's going to go with this because they've been doing this for years. I mean, Evo, was it 2013 or 2014, was banned from streaming the game for Nintendo. And they weren't even doing anything illegal. Nintendo just didn't want them to stream the game. Like, at least with this whole controversy that's going on right now, Nintendo was, in a way, in their rights to do this. Just maybe not morally, because it's like, why are you guys doing this? But... At the same time, they tried to ban Evo 2013 from streaming Smash, or 2014, for no reason. They just didn't want the game streamed at a competitive level, because they just said, oh, we don't want to do that, and we have the rights to say so. So, it's clear that it's not just an illegal problem, it's a melee problem. And, that has to go, in my opinion. That, that really does have to go, because, yeah, the melee community be, can be incredibly toxic. And I, I'm not saying that the Ultimate community can't and no other game community can't be toxic, but the Melee community, yes, I do agree, can be very toxic. But at the same time, I feel that a lot of the reasons why the Melee community is so toxic is because they've had no support and love from the company who makes their favorite game. I mean, geez, come on. So that's really about all that I'm going to that I'm going to go into with that, just because, like I said, I made a YouTube video that is less rambly than my rant right there, but it's about six minutes long, and it talks more in-depth about um, sort of the controversy and the responses from Nintendo and uh, the big house and fan reception and whatnot, but uh, this was more of sort of like a rant of my opinions on what's going on, because I didn't do that in the video, because I wanted to keep it sort of concise and just give my, give my points and give the news, but yeah, it's just incredibly scummy. It's, it's, it, it's, it's really bad. And it really is unfortunate that one of my favorite game companies of all time, Nintendo, the company that bases itself off of basically playing a fun game, you know, and sort of doing your own thing is prohibiting players from doing their own thing on pretty much baseless claims. And it's ridiculous. So I just hope Nintendo kind of realizes their faults and either rescinds this or, uh, decides to change in the future. So the last point of gaming news that I will talk about is uh, yet again another controversial one that will probably get me a little riled up. Um, YouTube will now run ads on non-monetized channels. So if you've watched YouTube for more than a singular day, you will know that channels that aren't monetized will not run ads and channels that are monetized will run ads. Now, of course... Every channel is different. There are some channels that can be monetized, but they don't monetize a specific video. And there are channels that, um, <clears throat> sorry. And there are channels who don't run any ads because they don't have the 1000 subscribers, the 4,000 hours of public watch time, all the other requirements. They just don't have it. But most YouTubers that you see that reach all those requirements are going to be running ads on their channel. If YouTube is going to allow it because they deem their content brand worthy or whatever they decide to phrase it as. So as a part of their November 18th updates for their terms of service, YouTube will now run ads on non YouTube partnered channels 
that provide brand safe content. Again, brand safe content is just what YouTube deems as this content in the video is safe for us to present to advertisers to have them well, advertise on our platform. So this means that YouTube and these companies will be able to profit off of your work without you even getting a dime. Now, I don't know how much digging you guys do into smaller YouTube channels, but since I started my own YouTube channel, and I'm at 164 subscribers, so I am a, I am small time. Like, I'm not even that quote-unquote small time dude that still pulls in like 5,000 views. Like, like seriously, the... I got 140 views on the, the Melee video that I was just talking about, and I consider that to be huge. So it's like, I'm still very much small time. Um, but if you look at some other people's small time YouTube videos, not saying that mine's excluded from this, but if you look at some small time YouTube channels that have like sub 100, sub 50 subscribers, then it's clear their production validity, sorry, their production quality is a lot lower than those that are up in the thousands, hundred thousands, even millions of YouTube subscribers. Sometimes, not all the time. But if you look at just some, you know, regular little Timmy who's starting off his YouTube channel doing GTA content or doing Fortnite content or whatever it is that they decide to upload, the production quality isn't all that good. So a lot of the times people will watch the video for maybe like, 15 seconds just kind of like oh okay well this is eh, and then they click off a video now imagine that with a 15 second unskippable ad when you look up oh a Fortnite tutorial or smash bros tutorial and it's with some dude that's just filming it on his phone there's going to be less discoverability and there's going to be less just involved viewers which is going to hurt these content creators in the future these 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 younger ones because if they were making any money off of their ads or whatnot then it would be a little bit different because you could get your friends and you tell 10 of your friends or whoever like i'll oh, share this video around and they all watch your video then they'll be greeted with a 15 second unskippable a 15 second skippable five second unskippable they'll be greeted with whatever and if they know it's you then they'll watch it and yeah you'll get mere pennies for it but it's like at least you're still kind of getting something and then if people see the views hopefully they'll stick by and watch the video but you're not being able to be paid for any of this now the reason why before i get into more of the rant is youtube added this under their youtube help section there was sort of a frequently asked questions and it was asking about what are the changes to the terms of service and what are they so <laughs> Here is the headline for one of the ones that they added for uh, what are the changes for the terms of service. YouTube's right to monetize. As noted in the changes to our terms of service, YouTube has the right to monetize all content on the platform. YouTube will begin placing ads on videos from channels not in the YouTube partner program as part of this. And then they go on to say you can read more in the uh, blog, which I will read for you right now. The next paragraph talks about the whole ads situation. Ads can now appear on videos from channels not in the YouTube partner program. And we will begin gradually placing ads on brand safe videos. This is part of our ongoing investments in new solutions like home feed ads that helps advertisers 
responsibly tap into the full scale of YouTube to connect with their audiences and grow their businesses. Advertisers will continue to have full access to our brand suitability controls. Over the past three years, we improved our ability to identify appropriate placements for advertisers, in part by working closely with our advertising partners and industry organizations. Because these channels are not in YouTube Partner Program, there is no creator revenue share, but creators can still apply to YouTube Partner Program once they hit the eligibility criteria, which remains the same. So, it's not even like they tried to embellish this with, oh, well, we're doing this for the best interest of the creators because you'll get, like, specific ads. They didn't even try to embellish it or try to make it seem that this was in any way good for creators. It's purely for YouTube and their relations with advertisers. And now I get it. I understand it. YouTube, at the end of the day, is a business. They are a company. They are huge. And they are, they pretty much have monopolized the video sharing site and the video sharing platform and idea. And that, 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 that's the truth. They, they really have. There's nowhere else. I mean, with live streaming, it's a little bit different because you got Twitch, you got YouTube, you got Facebook. There's a couple others that are going to be coming out. But it's like with video sharing, there's none other like YouTube. And I will hand it to YouTube. They are the best so far at it um, because, you know, they are the only one. But their algorithm is nice. Like one of my videos that I was just looking at just randomly in the past like day shot up by 900 views for no reason whatsoever. Like the algorithm kind of just included that in the video, which is great. I love that. Um, but at the same token, they're doing a lot of weird things like this whole advertisement thing. I get it. If it's more tailored ads in a way, I, 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 I guess I get that. So it's like, if you're watching a gaming video, you're not going to get political ads like you have been for the past couple months. Maybe that'll be a bit better, but in terms of creators, this just totally screws them over and doesn't help them at all. It's kind of like, I don't know if you remember, if you're a part of the Star Wars fandom, you'll probably remember this. Star Wars Theory, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Star Wars YouTube channel, created this fan-made Darth Vader film. And I say film lightly because it was, it was about 20 minutes, so it was like episodic in a way. And he had asked Lucasfilm and Disney about, you know, stuff like that. And the only thing that they said is, you can't monetize this. So he's like, all right, that's fine. I kind of just want to do this. This is fun. I have like a Patreon. I have other videos that get hundreds of thousands, millions of views. I'm fine. I don't need to make money off this. This is just a passion project. So he uploaded it to YouTube and it just shot up in views, got like over a million views, bunch of response, bunch of shares. So Disney decided to go into his video and monetize it and then take all of the money from the ads that were played onto that video for themselves. <laughs> you seriously cannot make this stuff up. And, of course, Star Wars Theory was like, you have got to be kidding me. I, what? You're serious? Like, I followed your guys' terms of service completely. I, I even told you guys that this is totally fine. I don't I'm necessarily looking to make money off this. And YouTube had the audacity. Sorry, not YouTube. Disney had the audacity to put ads on the video and profit off of it. Not even to mention that even if you got like on a high end of a YouTube video, even if it got like 4 million views, like I don't even know how much money you would necessarily be making off that. Let's just, let's just be generous as heck and say that you're making $10,000 off of that video 
from 4 million views, which I know is not the case. But let's just say you're making $10,000 off that video. Why would Disney need that money? Why would a multi-billion dollar company need $10,000? That is literal pocket change to them. And it's, it's, it's scummy, you know? It's like, oh, well, technically they own the rights to the, the Star Wars name, so they can do it. Yeah, but why? Why would they do that? There, there's no reason for them to do that. And it's so incredibly scummy. And it's just, it's so, it's so wrong on so many levels. If someone puts their blood, sweat, and tears, time, and hours out of their day, out from doing whatever the heck it is to edit a video... No matter what type of content it is, it's a 20-minute edited-down stream VOD, it's a, it's a tutorial video of how to play a character, it's a video essay on whatever, it's an animation, it's whatever it is, but the person isn't in the partner program, you're going to you're gonna receive money more than you already do off of the monetization process and the ad revenue split between creators and platform. You're going to take even more money from these smaller creators, which make up a bulk of YouTube's audience, and you're going to monetize your stuff off them. Why? It just, it blows my mind. It, it really, really blows my mind. And it, it just, it sucks. It sucks so bad that you're not even going to be able to get anything. And I don't know what I'd feel was, would be more insulting for them to do what they're doing now or for them to give you like a penny for you know, uh, a singular measly penny for every time an ad is run on the channel. And I'm not even talking about like per view, like every time there's an ad on your channel, they just give you a penny. I don't know which one I'd be more insulted by, but this one, it is pretty insulting. Now, of course, there's probably some business aspects that I don't understand with YouTube. And I, I can almost guarantee that there are, but I mean, come on, this is just, this is just low. And it's, it's really irritating and it is, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, I don't even know how to put it. I'm stumbling over my words just because of how dumb this is. And it really just hurts smaller content creators. And I'm not necessarily just talking about, oh, little Timmy, who's got 15 subscribers. Three of them are second accounts for him. And it's like, I'm not even talking necessarily about those content creators, like, I'm talking about the content creators that have like 960 subscribers. At that point, they've built a fairly substantial community and it takes a pretty decent amount of time to, you know, put in that quality for their videos. I mean, my gosh, if you're doing something, you're doing art, you're doing gameplay. Clearly, people are stopping by and checking out your stuff, even if it's only, you know, 200 views or something like that, which is still a good amount. But even if it's like 200 views and not like 14 million, I mean... That's revenue that you're losing out on. And it, it 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 sucks. And I feel so unfortunate for the people that are at that point where they're at about like 700, 800 subscribers and they're so close they can taste it. Like they get 4,000 public watch hours every year and so they just need that 1,000 subscriber mark and they're not getting paid for it because of uh, YouTube's system. So... I don't know if they're going to rescind this just because it's a corporate decision. And I don't really think that uh, YouTube's really going to go back on this. Hopefully they will. Cause I mean, if we compare it to Twitch, Twitch came out with something a couple months back where they were going to do like mid roll ads just that would pop up at random for viewers, uh, which everyone just kind of um, 
talked very bad about Twitch during that time, saying, what are you guys even thinking? For certain communities, this might be fine. Like, I don't know, I'm just thinking of a community that doesn't really have anything eventful going on. But even at that, it's like, it might hurt some communities more than others, but overall, it just kind of hurts every community and every viewer, especially the smaller channels and the people who do speedruns. I mean, my gosh, imagine... You're 10 seconds away from setting a world record on a speed run. The the stakes are high. The intensity is at an all-time high. And then, boom, all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, let's just run a stupid ad. Let's go tell you to vote. <laughs> that's going to be – that's that's one way to make sure that the youth do not vote out of spite is to run mid-roll ads through Twitch during a speed run. But I digress. It's – that received a lot of hate and – uh Twitch ended up going back on their word with it. They decided to say, "Yeah, okay, we're not doing the mid-roll ad things anymore. We've we've heard your uh, we've heard your complaints, and we're not going to do that." Hopefully, YouTube will do this, but again, I doubt. I really doubt. I I I just doubt. I don't think they're going to do anything about it. But I'd love to be proven wrong. Anywho, there's probably a thousand more things that I could talk about and that I could research on that topic. But those are kind of just like my initial thoughts. If something else comes out new with that situation, then I'll most likely look into it and then talk about it in a future episode, maybe next week, maybe next month, who knows, whenever news comes out. So that is going to conclude the segments for the news in the gaming industry this week. As I said, it kind of it kind of got a little bit uh, controversial and kind of heated, but um, that's just the nature of the beast sometimes when you get companies that are just doing scummy things and seem like they don't care for the people that use their products. But... Nonetheless, hopefully next week there will be a lot more positive things. Uh, but to wrap up, let's go into the uh, the more positive idea. So I'm going to be doing the next segment in our Rant or Rave. And this is going to be a Game Awards edition. The Game Awards were announced to be taking place pretty much the same time as they always have. Um, and they did some nominations for who will be in contention to receive specific awards. And one of them that they received, I think so far the only one they've received, is the Game of the Year nominations. Now, the six nominations so far have been Animal Crossing New Horizons, Ghost of Tsushima, Final Fantasy VII Remake, The Last of Us Part Two, Hades, and Doom Eternal. All big games that came out this year, and all very, very deserving of their nomination. Even if I don't agree with some of them, but you know what I mean? Um, anyway, so in this edition game awards edition of rant or rave, I will be talking to you about why I am going to be voting for animal crossing new horizons for 2020s game of the year. I know this might come off as a little controversial, Especially whenever you throw in The Last of Us in any contention. People are going to scream and run like chickens with their heads off whenever you mention anything bad about The Last of Us 2. But, uh, anywho, I never played the game. I saw I saw things about it. I can't really create a, a full opinion based off of it just because from the things that I've seen, if they were true and I agreed with them, then I would absolutely despise the game. I would think the game was not worth my time at all. But, um... Nonetheless, some people hold it to an incredibly high regard, so I won't be talking about The Last of Us 2, but I will be talking about as to why I think Animal Crossing New Horizons is more than deserving of the title of Game of the Year for 2020. 
So every time there's a Game Awards, they always talk about the Game of the Year, and it usually refers to the best game that came out that year. And that much is true. With 2019, it was Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which I thought that game was definitely very deserving of that nomination. I think also Smash Ultimate was released in that Game of the Year thing, but it also won Best Fighting Game of the Year, and I felt that that nomination had a bit more weight than Game of the Year, considering that everyone always uh, disses on Smash Bros, saying it's not a fighting game, and then it won Fighting Game of the Year. So I thought that was kind of cool. But anyway, Game of the Year usually goes to a very deserving category, and it usually goes, and I think it should always go, most of the time, to a game that was released that year that has literally no shelf life other than the first month of its release. Because think about it. Who's talking about Ghost of Tsushima right now? Who's talking about Last of Us 2? Who's talking about Doom Eternal? No one. At least not in my communities, but definitely, like, no one's talking about Last of Us 2 or Ghost of Tsushima. It came out, everyone ranted and raved, said it was an amazing game, beautiful experience, and then never played it again. Because that's, that's, that's the nature of those games. They come out, and then they die. That's it. They don't have any longevity. Now, that's where I get into Animal Crossing New Horizons. This year has been an unprecedented year in modern times. And I say modern times in the past couple decades. Because gaming has become integrated so much into common society that even the grandparents kind of understand at least a very minimal aspect of gaming some of the time. And parents are basically integrated and forced into that society because pretty much all of their kids have at least touched or talked about a video game once in their entire lives. 2020 brought about a lot of strife, a lot of difficulty with the quarantine and COVID-19 and everything that was going on. And the world kind of, at the beginning of March and at the end of March, sort of needed a way to escape and a way to sort of feel comfortable and happy with this year. A lot of people see this as the worst year in the past couple decades. So what better way to completely forget about the mundaneness of modern, real life than Animal Crossing New Horizons? I feel that this game embodies game of the year. And I don't mean it I don't mean it in this in the sake of it is the most technically advanced, visually stunning game that was released this year, but this game is the game of the year. More specifically, the game of 2020. Because in 10 years, when we look back at 2020, we're gonna be laughing at it as like the worst year in modern history and blah blah all this stuff colloquially. And then we're gonna think, what was the biggest thing? COVID-19. Even if it ends tomorrow, it's going to be eight straight months of quarantine. That's pretty much the entire year. <laughs> so it is, without a doubt, Animal Crossing's year to shine because people will think of the quarantine and Animal Crossing sort of in one because Animal Crossing was released on March 20th, 2020, and that was right around when the quarantining was starting, because I remember I moved out of my college dorm, I think it was like March 19th or something like that, because we were told like a week before that we were going to be asked to just leave the dorms because of COVID-19. So pretty much everyone was quarantined the week of and the week after Animal Crossing New Horizons came out. Everyone that was big, especially in the Nintendo world, even if they had touched a Nintendo game twice, 
they were playing Animal Crossing New Horizons, myself included. It was my first Animal Crossing game. Same with my brother. My girlfriend had played a couple Animal Crossing games in the past. She was playing this game. Her friends were. I even knew teachers that were playing the game with their kids. My mother, she knew a lot of her kids were playing it and their parents were talking about it. It was one of the biggest Nintendo games that was ever released. And I think this game had a lot of really great things to it. Now I'm going to talk about uh, some pros of the game just to kind of validify, that's the word, why I'm thinking it should be the game of the year other than it physically embodies 2020 as a year. So it has pure customizability with your own unique island, and I, I absolutely love that. The terraforming aspect is a very good addition into the game. I can't compare it to the older games. As I said, I've never played any of the other ones, but it was such a good addition that a player such as myself didn't look at that and say, wow, okay, that was a new, that's clearly a new thing because it doesn't fit like the theme of the game at all. Same with crafting. I didn't think crafting wasn't in any of the other Animal Crossing games before. It feels so natural, like it's a life simulator game. Of course, you're going to be able to craft stuff, DIY recipes and all of this stuff. Have your little smartphone and all this stuff. It made a lot of sense. And endless updates are being brought into this game. Since it's released in March, there was an Easter update, there was a summer update, a 4th of July update, fall updates, Halloween, there's going to be a Thanksgiving one, there's going to be a Christmas one, there was a dream update, there were so many things brought into the game. And with those updates came new items, new pieces of clothing, new options to customize your character and your world, and alongside of that, your island changed along with the seasons. And I think that's phenomenal. I seriously can't think of any other game that I've played in the past that has cared so much about changing with the time. And I don't mean with the time as in the societal norms of whatever society says now. I'm saying with literal time, with hours and with seasonalities and making it feel that this is actually real life inside of this video game where it's like oh hey we're gonna have thanksgiving but we're gonna call it turkey day we're gonna have christmas but we're gonna call it toy day and just doing all these things that really make it feel that you're immersed into this world and then it's 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 a separate world but it's completely the same as the world that you live in it's like you're building your own ideal paradise in a way it has sort of similarities with that in Minecraft where you can just kind of create your own world at your own whim and just do whatever the heck you want for how, how much ever long that you want to. And I think it really had some great things, including villager fightings. This sounds incredibly random, but your villagers sometimes will just get into these arguments and they're not any malicious arguments. It's something dumb like, oh, well, they are messy or something. It's so trivial and just so juvenile. And it makes you laugh because they always make up by the end of the day. And one of them like gives a gift to the other ones. It's so sweet. And it just, it's so fresh to have that, especially at a time where there was so much just discomfort in the world, so much argument, so many tensions that this game can kind of just come through and say, hey, Look at my little deer villager. Isn't she the cutest? And then everyone can just kind of agree on that and sort of form around that. And I think that's really special. 
Now, of course, I'll briefly go over some of the cons with the game just because this is a rant or rave, so I will talk about this. Um, Nintendo Online, of course, is bad for everything. And for Animal Crossing, it's not as bad because it's like, you know, the connectivity is, is okay, it's fine, but there's nothing to do in co-op. You can't customize stuff, you can't pick up furniture, you can't move things. The only thing you can do is walk around and like hit their trees and hit each other with nets. That's about it. There's n there's no co-op games, there's no projects you can work on together. There's nothing you can do. It's it's quite boring and gets just really repetitive and kind of eh. Um hopefully that'll change in the future, but uh there's also some pacing issues. Uh, and, and I don't mean this in the terms of how you would pacing issues in a story-driven game, but the game can get really slow and tedious. And, and I know it's meant to be slow and tedious because it's a life simulator and you're not supposed to be playing it for eight hours every day, grinding out missions. You're supposed to hop on, collect some fruit, go talk to your favorite villager, maybe spend some nook miles, maybe go to an island, try to find a new villager or whatnot. It's not meant supposed to be... It's not meant to be like a Call of Duty game where you're grinding for gun cambos, gun unlocks, and things like that. But things like multi-crafting, there's none. If you want to craft 10 fish bait, you have to spam the A button for like three minutes straight just to get 10 fish bait because there's no bulk crafting or multi-crafting, which is un unnecessary. They also have tool durability, which makes no sense. It makes sense in the sake of a world, but I mean... Any sensible person that's going to be doing gardening or digging or anything, if they see their shovel's about to break, they're going to go, hmm, maybe I'll fix this. And I don't know why there hasn't been a durability meter or a little line that says, uh-oh, my shovel looks like it's about to break, and then five hits later it will break. I feel like that would be a very good addition into the game, but they don't have that, and it's kind of annoying. Villagers can be repetitive and sometimes lack personality, in my opinion. Um, from what I've seen, other villagers in previous Animal Crossing games were way more animated and better fit their personalities. And a lot of these villagers just repeat themselves and it gets kind of annoying because I have like three lazy quote unquote villagers on my island and they'll repeat the same line like every two days. So it gets kind of annoying. Um, but overall, I think the Animal Crossing is a phenomenal game. Animal Crossing New Horizons, that is. And even though I don't play it as much as I probably should play the game, I can sort of live vicariously through my brother because he plays the game every single day. He loves that game. And it's fun to sit and watch him do it, uh, get to know his villagers through him and his his map and, and everything. And it's, it's still a lot of fun. And I still think the Animal Crossing will be a game that I will play in the future, just not as much as I play some other games right now just because I've done everything. I'm not super interested in big terraforming on my island. I'm not super interested in doing everything that comes into the holiday season things, but I still really do love the game. The game. Sorry, I had a huge hiccup right there. Oh, gosh. Double whammy. Um, but anyway, that is the reason, and those are the reasons, that I think Animal Crossing New Horizons should get voted as Game of the Year for the Game Awards 2020. I don't think that there is any other game that quite literally embodies the entire year of gaming into a single physical game. I think all the other games that are presented are good. I've heard nothing but good things about Hades, Doom Eternal, Ghost of Tsushima, um, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Like I said, The Last of Us 2. 
I can appreciate how visually stunning it is and how great the acting is, even if the story is a bit lackluster from what I've heard. Again, not my words. Um, but I, I truly think that Animal Crossing is the most deserving game for the, uh, the mantle of Game of the Year. So that's going to be all for this week's episode of On Air with Aaron. And about 56 minutes long so far as I'm recording. Uh, so a bit, bit of length. But I, I truly do think that these things that were talked about in this episode were very important and were very much reflective on some of the things that have been going on for the past couple of weeks and things that might be going on in the future for the gaming industry and overall the video sharing uh, industry and community as well. So fingers crossed that things are going to get good with the whole YouTube and uh, Nintendo issues that we seem to be having right now. But nonetheless, that's where I'm going to end this episode. Thank you all for stopping by and listening. If you've made it this far, then it clearly means that you like the sound of my voice and you can hear it a lot more over at my Twitch channel at It's Argon Games. Just hit affiliate, so I'm going to be doing a lot more stuff with that for viewer satisfaction. You can also watch some of my stuff on YouTube, as I mentioned, at Argon Games. You can go watch my hashtag free melee video, and uh, you can comment down below if, you, if you're if you from the podcast. I'd love to see you guys there. I'd love to talk to you about certain things. And you can follow me on Twitter, where I'm most active, at Argon Games YT, no spaces. And I will talk to you guys in the next one. And until then, have a great rest of your day.